and they were happy people up until that moment and they spend the rest of their lives miserable because they stayed bitter you know and and you got to get past it uh you got to get past it whoever you lost wouldn't want you to spend the rest of your life miserable i'm not the house of cards that falls down easily i'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me welcome to mental health news radio i'm your host kristen sunanta walker just what are we going to discuss the intimacy that is mental health let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health this show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts and then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second hi everyone Kristen walker here we are on with dr paul meyer hey paul hey Kristen. good to be with you <laughs> yeah so tonight we're going to talk about anger and resentment and i feel like i should have some organ music or something going dun, 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 when i say that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the levels that you you think you let go of a bunch and then you dig more and you're like, oh boy, that I just got to the first floor. That's or the tenth floor. I've got nine more floor, floors to go, and I thought I was doing okay. So, Paul, you went out and did some noodling around whenever we come up with topics. So, what are some things that you uh, that you came up with? Well, um, I'll start out with a statement. Just Right, right from Google. When I Googled, this is what, what the first thing that popped up, and I thought it was pretty good. So I'll, I'll share just a, a, a couple sentences here with our listening family, but uh, how bitterness affects our health. Bitterness is poison to our body. Bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness can result in ulcers, high blood pressure, and all other diseases. It's estimated that almost 90% uh, of our sicknesses are anger, fear, resentment, and bitterness related. And that's, mm. that's a fact. I learned that in medical school that that, uh, that anger is the leading cause of death. And when I first heard that, I, I thought, you know, it, it surprised me. But now that I've been a doctor all these, you know, many decades and psychiatrist, it doesn't uh, surprise me. And, and, and in a few minutes uh, later in the program, I'll explain how that happens. But bitterness affects the body. Uh, like we said, high blood pressure, sleeplessness, loss of appetite, um, fatigue. It takes away joy, peace, and happiness. In fact, depression is called anger turned inward. So yeah. if you have anger and hold it inside you, it becomes, it, it, dele it depletes serotonin and causes depression. It affects our thoughts, our feelings. Uh, most depression has its root from bitterness, resentment, anger, and, and unforgiveness. It causes anxiety because anxiety is, uh, I, I often have defined anxiety as a fear of finding out the truth about our own thoughts, feelings, and motives. Mm. And when we 
in therapy and dig and probe and look for buried truth, you know, a, a large percentage of the time, what's buried in there is is anger, uh, guilt, um, uh, is a form of anger toward ourselves for things that we've done wrong. False guilt is when we're feeling angry toward ourselves for not being perfect and we're having too high expectations. And uh, anger toward others, you know, uh, uh, so it, it, anxiety is a, being, being afraid of being aware of our anger is a large cause of anxiety. And Kristen, you know what surprises a lot of people is that the mm -hmm. nicer you are, the more likely it is that you're going to have uh, repressed anger because jerks, you know, if they get mad, they, <laughs> you know, they kick your yell at you, or, you know, they, they let it out. And people who are real polite and, and want to be kind and, and, and uh, you know, the, people like that tend to deny their anger and, and hold yeah. it in and then they get more depressed and even headaches. Uh, you know, if you get uh, uh, bitter, if you get bitter on the inside, then, then, um, or if you get real angry, I mean, getting angry doesn't hurt you, but if you stay angry or, uh, you know, have excessive anger or hang on to it too long or things, then uh, serotonin actually dumps out of the brain and attaches to uh, blood vessels mm. and uh, it causes migraine headaches and, and, uh, and, and it causes pain. And if you had a severe migraine and went to the emergency room, the doctor would, would probably give you a, uh, an injection of Imitrex or something like that. And all Imitrex does is it blocks the serotonin receptors in the blood vessels. So, uh, even a lot of headaches that we get are because, and nice people, like I say, get them more than not nice people, but a lot of them, not all of them, you know, but a lot of them are due to um, uh, anger on the inside that we stuff. It affects our behavior, sudden outbursts of anger. It, it makes us more likely to abuse alcohol, drugs, or tobacco. Right. It causes social withdrawal and relationship problems. It can uh, alienate us from other people um, because that attitude of, uh, you know, they can sense that bitterness inside of us and that can scare people from away from getting close to us. Right. And it can detour from the, you know, from our very best to the extent that life can't be fully celebrated and enjoyed. So there's a, yeah. a statement. Internet with a little ad living on the side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I here's an interesting thing. So, or it's interesting to me anyway. So I grew up around so much anger. Oh my gosh, and raging, raging behavior. Like if my father stubbed his toe on a door, he would take a knife and cut the door and you know, break a chair on the door and I mean, just absolutely out of control rage. And then my mother screaming, screaming, screaming constantly and raging. So for me as a kid, um, I just did every, I did a lot of tap dancing around trying to keep that from popping out in the people I was around. And, uh, you know, I, I know from lots of therapy and all that. Well, I used food to stuff my own feelings down. And uh, this work that I'm I'm doing now, which I don't think I was prepared to do until now. I think sometimes things come out when we can handle them too. So some of the work I'm doing now is really about me from age 5 to 12 uh, when I was around my father um, the most and alone with him. And 
a lot of it is around forgiveness. And um, the more I write out the things that I want to forgive and the things I want to let go of and I write out what I'm angry about and then try to reframe those things in order to let them go, the more I realize, the, every time I do that exercise of writing it out, I feel this void, a good void, and a bunch of good rushes into my life. And then the more I do it, the more I'm also like, wow, I have a lot of stuff to work on <laughs> that yeah. I didn't uh, even uh, realize. Yeah, those, those are called gestalt techniques. In, uh, mm-hmm. um, and and, and uh, I want to share that with our listening family, how they, they can do that with themselves, uh, even without a therapist, but with a therapist we'd be, would be better. But, but uh, uh, one, uh, one hour of doing a gestalt type thing is worth about six or eight hours of talking about that situation with somebody. And but what I mean by gestalt type things are like uh, when, uh, when, when you want to um, write out how you felt and what you're learning about ages five to 12 or whatever, you know, that, then what, we're, what we would do here in our uh, outpatient program or in our day program, you know, where people come seven hours a day, five days a week, two weeks, yep. yeah, is uh, uh, we, we would have them um, write a letter to themselves as a, so, you know, you, you would say, dear little Kristen, you know, Kristen, dear five to whatever age, five to 10 year old Kristen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, here, I love you. And here's what I hope, uh, you can learn, you know, in, in, in your teaching her and, and telling her what she can do and, and uh, you're, you're helping her. And, and doing that helps you uh, get in touch with your feelings. Or, or if there's somebody that's hurt you, you know, we have them uh, put an empty chair in front of them and uh, tell them how they feel. If there's somebody that you think you might be mad at, because, uh, you, know, you know, when I ask a, a, a client, well, don't you think you're really mad at your dad? No, I'm not mad at him. You know? Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but he beats you up every day. Well, I know, but I mean, you know, I forgave him a long time ago. And, I, well, uh, you know, I said, well, let's, you know, let's put an empty chair in front of you right now, pretend like your dad's sitting there and, uh, and uh, look him right in the eye and tell him how you feel. And so they'll start just talking nonchalantly. And within a few minutes, they'll get more intense. And, you know, maybe within five or six minutes, they'll be crying. And, and mm. the emotions come. It's called decathexis, but emotions come pouring out and uh, all that buried rage that was there be, becomes unburied and, and it, it results in a lot of rapid healing. So the, doing those kinds of techniques, you know, like write, letter writing, talking to an empty chair, um, <laughs> uh, things like that can really, um, can really help you heal uh, quicker. That's, that's good that you, that you did that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm doing this kind of program with another one of the podcasters on the network and um, we're, I have to write two of these papers a day, handwrite them. And I'm like, handwrite? I don't even remember how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, the only thing I would add, the only thing I would add is that I'd recommend that you, instead of just writing it out in, in factual form, I'd write it out as a letter to yourself when you were that age. Oh yeah, yeah. There's all that too. That, that yeah, helps you get in touch more with a oh. few more things. And you feel a lot of yeah. empathy for yourself that way, and you, and uh, instead of you know when you're a kid and things go wrong and your parents are abusive, you think it's your fault. You know? Right. Uh, we, oh, I'm, I'm a bad kid, or they wouldn't be doing this. 
Well, and, you uh, think so too. When you write that, a letter to yourself, you know that, that helps you to see the truth. Absolutely, and I think too that it. I mean, I learned anyway that being angry is bad uh, because if I ever got angry about what was happening, um, I was in trouble. I was supposed to just be quiet and, you know, not not be in the way. So I, I, you know, I wasn't heard or validated, all those things that, you know, little kids need. And I had run across a picture of myself when I was seven. And I know I, it was a trip to figure out, oh, that is how old I was. Because I remember I had a perm. And you remember that movie Grease, Paul, with Olivia Newton-John oh, and John? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Why I was allowed to see that at seven, I do not know. But anyway, I saw it when I was seven. And that's the year that it came out. And I know when I saw this picture, it didn't have a date on it. But I saw the perm that's in my hair because I got my hair permed like yeah. Olivia Newton-John at the end of the movie. And I went, oh, I was seven because that's why my hair has curls because my hair is normally like straw, right? And I'm so angry in this picture, so hmm. angry. And I don't have any um, anger I used to, and she scared me, that younger me. I don't now, I feel a tremendous amount of compassion for her, but it wasn't until I looked at that picture and realized how angry I, I absolutely am steaming in this picture, just steaming angry. Yeah, and you said something real important for uh, our listening family to realize too, is that anger is not bad. Right. You know, anger is good. It's normal. I mean, God, Jesus got angry. God gets angry. And uh, Jesus got angry and chased the, a bunch of people ripping people off in the temple. He chased mm -hmm. them all with a whip. You know? <laughs> he I was going to ask you to share but, that story. Yeah. 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 But, uh, and, and, uh, um, the apostle Paul said, uh, in Ephesians chapter four, he said, go ahead and get angry without sinning. It's, it's, it's in the, in the Greek original Greek, it's in the passive imperative tense, meaning it's not just, you have permission to get angry. It's yeah, go ahead and do it. Get angry without sinning, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't turn, let it turn into bitterness. So it's okay to get angry, but it's not okay to get uh, bitter is uh, when we're bitter towards somebody that's like swallowing rat poison right. and hoping it hurts the other guy. Um, right. so it, it, and w when my kids were young, when they were growing up, if they got angry, I didn't condemn them for it or punish them for getting angry. I, in fact, I said, thanks for letting me know how you feel. You're angry with daddy right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad, daddy. I said, well, thanks for letting me know how you feel. That's important that you let me know how you feel. Now, uh, mm. you know, if next, next time you hit your sister, you're still going to, you're still going to, you know, get, Get discipline, you know, <laughs> but but it's important that you let me know how you feel, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, so I, I encourage them to share their feelings, and and of course, if you know, little kids, uh, little kids, if, if they're uh, if they're three or four years old and they're crying to punish you, you know, and and and, uh, and you and you tell them, oh, go ahead and cry, that's good for you. Let your sadness out. That's really good for you. And they'll look at you and stop crying and say, I'm done crying, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that with my son. He would throw a fit in a grocery store. You know, he's probably three or four, and he would yeah. just be on the floor screaming. And and yeah. uh, I just would go, okay, well, then I'm going to keep on shopping. And I would just keep walking on. You know, I would just keep <laughs> – I knew where he was, so it wasn't like, you know, somebody yeah. was going to snatch yeah. him. He would have screamed bloody murder anyway if they tried to. But he finally would just get up and walk over to me and go, 
I'm done now. <laughs> yeah. Punish you with it. But yeah, it I just didn't um it was not okay. It was not okay for me to have feelings, period. And so what's made that great for me is in certain situations uh, that were volatile in a business setting or something uh, or in work, well, in a business setting, I absolutely am calm through the whole thing. Unflappable, I've been called, you know. But while that was good in work situations, that has not served me well in terms of my self-care. So that's the because I, you know, it's, it's a skill to learn how to do that, to not let your emotions get the best of you. Uh, It's certainly a skill, but it's not, it, it ceases to be a skill when you do that to the point where you're anesthetized to things that you really should be angry about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we need to be in, in, uh, in touch with our feelings. Yeah. So ways that you can, you know, take someone. So think about, you know, patients that you've had over the years where you just knew that they were so angry, but they were so out of touch with their anger that they didn't even recognize that they were angry, nor how to get it out. Yeah. I remember a guy, uh, see, in, 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 I think one reason why women live longer than men is women are permitted in our culture more than right. men are to share their feelings. I mean, you know, in your case, you weren't allowed uh, either, but uh, boys, especially, you know, big boys don't cry, you know, and, right. and boys, sometimes if they uh, express their their anger or, or they cry because they're sad when they're little, they, they get, you know, the, the crap beat out of them by their, you know, mean dad or somebody and, and uh, um, for even crying, you know, because they're being a wimp if they cry and all that sort of thing. And uh, so it, it, the more you stuff anger, the, the younger you die. And we're going to get into that uh, later. But um, but I had a patient who was a, a male and uh, he was he was a perfectionist. And and uh, I think he was an engineer, you know, and engineers are real smart. Um, and, and, and there's certain careers where people are really, really smart, but they're not in touch with feelings. And uh, and this guy was uh, uh, really angry um, toward uh, somebody. I don't remember if it was his mom or his dad or his wife or somebody. And um, and and so I said, well, you, you really seem angry. He said, no, I I don't get angry. And I and I said, well, it, it seems like you're angry to me. He says, no, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. You know, <laughs> that's a cop out word for angry. You know, frustration right. is the same. As, and and so I said, well. You, you really do seem angry to me. And I, and I knew I wasn't going to give up until, and, and uh, finally, after I said that about four or five times, he blew up and he, he really lost his temper. He said, that makes me so mad. I don't ever get angry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he realized what he had done. You know, <laughs> he said, well, I guess, that's, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, a, a lot of people um, aren't aware of their, of their uh, uh, buried anger and, and uh, especially perfectionistic uh, people. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people are grow, a lot of people grow up thinking it's a sin to get angry, you know. So yes. they feel guilty if they have that normal emotion that God intended us to have. Well, what are you know outside of a therapy office? So so let's say, you know, a friend or, or a colleague or a relative, whatever, does something and it's just really crappy. Like it just is mm-hmm. really, or they've been doing something that's really crappy, and you just 
figured it out. How, what are appropriate ways to handle um, things like that, aside from going to your therapist and going, <laughs> Well, if, if you love somebody, I mean, you, like I love my wife and she loves me, and, uh, and, and we get angry at each other because neither of us is perfect. Sometimes I think I am, but <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I never think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know you too well sometimes, to believe that. <laughs> sometimes she thinks. Sometimes she thinks that I think I am. You know, but but anyway, we, but we get we get angry. We get angry at each other, and uh, and w when we do, we can share it though and say, "Hey, I'm feeling angry right now." Uh, if I got mad at you for something, or you got mad at me for something that that uh, we did, or you know, or accidentally hurt each other's. Both of us are nice people. We wouldn't hurt each other on purpose, but we could by accident or something, and and uh, and. Uh, but and if it's somebody that you love and care about, then uh, then you speak the truth a lot and you say, "Hey, I, I'm feeling angry to, toward you right now." And you're not telling them what they did was right or wrong. You're telling them how you feel about what they did. Because if you if you say that you shouldn't do this or you should do that, you're being that person's parent. Right. See, it's better to share how you feel about what they did. I feel sad that this happened. I feel angry that that about what you did. And I just wanted to share it with you. And uh, if you do that in a, in a, a humble and loving way, then uh, they're going to love you for telling them the truth. I mean, they may not, you know, celebrate it the first moment they hear it, but right. but uh, when you talk a little bit, they're you know they're, they're you, you'll grow closer when you share. Couples that share their anger with each other are a lot more intimate than couples that that oh, don't. And absolutely. So you but but if you share um, anger toward somebody that's a total narcissist or something they'll just get mad at you and and uh, uh king solomon said don't waste your time sharing your anger with people like that because it won't do you any good. yes it won't, it won't yes but sharing Actually, anger helps the other person as much as it helps you mm. if it's with a wise person yes with a wise person you know i was driving today actually and there's this person who just is one of the worst uh, not worst. What am I saying? When I was around as a kid, a a five year old running around in a, someone's body that's that's twenty years older or fifteen years older than I am, and just two weeks of being around this person, I was like, oh, no way! I threw down so many boundaries. I was I was building a brick wall throughout the course of the relationship until I finally said, all right, I'm done. We're like, we're, we're, we're done. It was not a dating situation. It was a wanting to be my yeah. friend situation. And I saw yeah. them driving past me today and I don't even acknowledge them because uh, it's better for my health. And they're just happy as a clam. And I thought, yeah, yeah. People like that who just, you know, rage at other people and bust down boundaries at, you know, people like that are called narcissists. Of course they're happy. Not really. Are they really happy? They're not no. really happy. They're, no. They're, yeah, they're, but they but they offload all their crud onto everybody around them. And so they're yeah. pretty free. And I thought, well, there's another perfect example of why I'm so glad I'm not carrying around a bunch of anger at this person. I just got them out of my life quickly because she is not sweating at all her behavior. <laughs> and you know, uh, Kristen, when we're when we're bitter you know, according to the things I've learned in psychiatry and, and research and things like that, when we're bitter, almost always it's because we're harboring vengeful motives. If I'm bitter, 
that doesn't just mean I'm sad no. about something or upset about something. It means part of me is hanging on to grudges. And Ooh. grudges are what really kill you. So uh, if you're bitter towards somebody that hurt you in the past, it means you really want to punish that person yourself. Yeah. And um, that's where, uh, I mean, I, that's where a relationship with God really comes in handy. It, like in uh, Romans 12, God says, hey, I, I, I understand. I'll get vengeance on people that hurt you. You know, you're my child. And if you let me, I'll get vengeance on that person. So don't ever get vengeance yourself. He says, don't do it. Let me do it. If you do it, then I then I won't do it. But if you don't get vengeance and 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 ask me to take care of it, I'll do what's perfectly fair because I understand all the facts. And it and it says in uh, Psalm King David wrote in Psalm sixty eight that if you abuse, uh, if, that God says if you abuse one of my kids, you know all these kids that get abused by people even in, in his kids even means adult kids. But if you uh, if somebody abuses one of my kids, I'm going to smash their heads against the rocks. I mean, God gets pretty ticked, you know, and, and he'll right. get vengeance unless that person truly, genuinely repents, not just acts like it. Right. You know, he forgives anybody and, and he loves everybody, even abusers, but if they'll change. But, but, uh, but if so, when I get real angry and, I, and, and uh, bitter towards somebody, I, I think, you know, this is stupid. You know, there's, and I remind people of this too, there's 8 billion people on planet Earth. And that person that you're bitter towards is just one of them. That's just one person out of 8 billion. Why should I ruin my life? Why should I depress myself, cause myself to have ulcers, high blood pressure, uh, uh, lower resistance to diseases? Why should I do all that? Uh, because I'm bitter toward one person out of 8 billion when, when right. about half of those 8 billion are jerks, <laughs> just like that one. <laughs> and, and so you see how foolish it is, how foolish it is to, to hang on to bitterness, you know, and, and so I, I'll turn it over to God and say, okay, God, you do whatever you want to with that, with that person. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go and, and turn it over to you. And it, and it really helps me. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's been helping me too, to just, I've even thought, well, you know, there's a reason for this. What, how can I reframe this in my mind to see the gift in this, uh, this situation, um, you know, uh, with this recent one, it was, okay, well, hey, girl, I'm patting you on the back, my own back, because you you absolutely stood up for yourself immediately. There was no getting away with someone thinking that my um, my boundary was a, was a red cape asking them to charge through it. No, they found out it was a brick wall. <laughs> and yeah. guilt didn't win. It, it you know, and I could have sat and just been, resentful and angry and all these things and bitter about it. But I just kept reframing in my head, what's the gift in this? What is the gift in this? What did you learn from this? What did you learn about yourself? Uh, how did you, what did you learn about how much you care about yourself now that you would not tolerate this, that you got out of this quickly? Um, I just keep trying to reframe, reframe. And I have to say my therapist is a really great you know, part of that, because even sitting in her office, she'll say, what's a different way that maybe you could word that sentence that I just said about myself? And that's started mm -hmm. to help me retrain the way I think. Yeah, you learn that if you really do love yourself in a healthy way, Kristen, then, uh, then you won't allow yourself to be around people all day, every day that are going to uh, create uh, angry yep. situations in you. Because yep. anger destroys us. So, we need to, you know, we need to avoid hanging out with uh, 
uh, with people that are going to keep hurting us even at work. It's hard to soar with the eagles when you're right. working with turkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and you know, I think about that too in terms of, I mean, sometimes people are in your life and they, for me, they have felt like a clamp. Um, they want me to be small because that's the box they feel comfortable with me being in because that's their comfort level for, you know, me being in a relationship with them. And, uh, and when that relationship is gone, uh, all this room opens up and probably for them too to not be involved. But, you know, I saw that certainly happen with my ex-husband and then of course we come back together, but you know, sometimes people, you have to, their need to keep you in addiction or in, you know, like you've said, Paul, in other shows where the husband gets sober and then the wife starts drinking or the wife needs all this therapy or vice versa. Or, or, yeah. 50% of the time the wife will divorce uh, if, if somebody's an alcoholic and her dad was once we married, she married someone like it. Yeah. And he, and he goes, and her husband goes straight. And, uh, and, and, uh, and goes to AA and quits drinking, gets therapy, becomes a nice person. 50% of the time, the wife uh, will divorce that guy and marry another alcoholic because she's got that codependency need to, to be uh, in a relationship with an alcoholic and often fostering it accidentally, you know, uh, yep. uh, encouraging it sub- subconsciously. Let, let, me, let me tell you about, yeah. let, let, yeah. let, me get out, let me get out of the way that some of the technical stuff that I feel like I've, I've got to tell you listening family you need to know just a little bit of the medical how this works you know but um, when you're uh, like I said when you're angry that's okay it's not going to hurt anything but if you hang on to the anger and it turns into bitterness then um, you've got a, a, a little gland in your brain called the hypothalamus and uh, and it releases it, it, it can sense that when you're hanging on to bitterness it releases uh, adrenal cortical trophic hormone releasing factor, ACTHRF. And that uh, goes in the bloodstream and goes to a nearby organ called the pituitary gland that uh, doctors used to think that was the master gland uh, in the body that controlled all the other ones. But actually, and it sort of is, but the hypothalamus, they found out later, controls it. But, but the pituitary gland puts out adrenal cortical trophic hormone, ACTH. You might have heard of that. And that gets in the bloodstream. And it goes down to the adrenal glands that lay on your kidneys. And the adrenal glands uh, put out stress hormones. And at first, it, it may help you. But then if you keep on staying bitter and it keeps putting, you know, the ACTH keeps affecting the uh, adrenal glands, then it, you end up with fewer antibodies. And so you, you, you have uh, less ability to fight off all kinds of diseases. And so uh, that's why... Um, and it's almost like having AIDS. You know, when you have AIDS, you know, you can come down with any kind of infection. Instead of being able to fight it off, you, yes. you, you can die from it. And so the, the more bitter you are, the more diseases you can get. And I'm not saying everybody that gets sick is bitter. Some people get sick uh, um, uh, because of genetic tendencies or, right. or uh, you know, there's the flu's going around and, and, and you just happen to get it. And you, maybe sometimes it's bad luck, but... But lots of times, a lot of, the, of our resistance, like, like it said on the internet, that's something I learned in medical school, that maybe 80 or 90% of our sicknesses are, uh, are in some way, we became more vulnerable toward getting right. that through uh, 
through buried anger, uh, resentment, bitterness, things like that. So that that's how that works. Uh, that's how it works. Plus, anger will result in uh, serotonin depletion out of our brains, which right. causes us um, to get more tired and irritable and sad and uh, anxious and wake up in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep and self-critical. And it's like putting dog poop on your glasses and you look around at the world and the world's like even worse than it is. And, 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 and the world's pretty bad as it is. You know, if I watch too much news, oh. I, get, I can get, I can get depressed, you know, cause there's Same so much, here. just so much evil going on in the world. And, and just even people that act like they're good people are lying all the time and deceiving yeah. and, and it's, it's sad, you know, when you see all that going on, I can only tolerate a little bit of the truth at a time. You know? I know. I and, can't uh, listen to it and watch it. I can read like Google news yeah. and read what the yeah. highlights are the day from multiple sources. So I want to hear yeah. both sides. I want to hear from one side of the coin and the other. So I can somewhere I can try to find some kind of happy middle, but I can't actually watch it or yeah. listen to it. Cause it just makes me <gasps> anxious. Yeah. And you know, so much of it's of what you're hearing is just people just lying, uh, knowingly lying. And, uh, but anyway, yep. um, uh, the, the, uh, um, you know, it, the, the more anger we have, the more likely it is that we're going to get, all sorts of uh, diseases, including depression, which is uh, anger turned inward. And you know, uh, when, when the, the same thing when we grieve. Every time you have a loss, Kristen, or I have a loss, or anyone that's listening to us right now has a loss, and it can be a little loss, like a broken fingernail, you know, <laughs> or it can be a huge loss, like the death of a loved one, or right. or, uh, or or going bankrupt, or or getting fired from a job that you felt secure in for 20 years, uh, or uh, having your uh, wife run off with another woman or, 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 or another man, or, or it can be a lot of different things, but every, whenever we have a loss, uh, we, we, uh, first we can't believe it. And then there's, uh, three types of anger that we have. Uh, first there's anger turned outward. So we get mad at, uh, somebody, whoever we can blame first for whatever happened that we're angry about. And, uh, and part of that anger turned outward usually if it's a major thing usually involves getting angry at god for allowing it to happen because he, he could prevent anything and he didn't prevent it so therefore we get angry at god for allowing it to happen and then mm-hmm. and then and then uh then comes anger at the self where we blame ourselves uh and, and sometimes there is a little bit of blame but oftentimes it's uh, excessive false guilt and and uh, and then and then there's genuine grief where you just cry over the loss then there's resolution and if we know the stages of grief and we allow ourselves to, to, uh, ventilate them, I mean, vent, yeah, or vent, ventilate, no, uh, uh <laughs> vent them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ventilate. Yeah. That's a whole we new thing. To, taking venting and taking it to a whole them. new we place. Need to them. Yeah. <laughs> we might need a turtle air conditioning on that heat, but, right. but still, if, if we, if we allow ourselves to go ahead and get angry and talk about it and even talk, tell God, God, I'm feeling angry towards you right now. And, you know, he, he just puts his arm around us and it doesn't bother him in the least. And, uh, and, um, so if we vent and, and if we forgive ourselves for what we may have done wrong and, and, uh, not hold a bitterness toward ourselves for the things that, that are false guilt too, then, then, uh, if, if we work through those stages, then we don't suffer. We don't, uh, but if you get hung up in one of them, 
and they were they bitter people up until they for the person who and they spend the rest of their lives miserable the, uh, because they stayed bitter. Loss. Or, you know, or, or better towards, if you stay bitter towards uh, God, you get past it. there's people who wouldn't want you to stay had a, a child dies or something. And you know, it's, it's, you know, we all have losses. And, uh, and so... We, we need to get through those anger stages or because if you get hung up in them, then that's then that turns into bitterness and that turns into, you know, all those physical illnesses and depression. I, and think, all of that. I think, too, doesn't I mean, to me, it keeps you in a perpetual state of being a victim also. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that. Uh, yeah, because. Yeah, Exactly, because I've had people say to me, you know, oh, if I wasn't doing this with you, I could have been doing this, these other wonderful things instead. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't hold a gun to your head. You are an adult. That was a choice. And um, if you want to go do those things, go, go do those things. But, you know, when it, it, it's usually somebody that that's, that's what they do about everybody in their life. Everybody in their life has done them wrong in some way. And, and so they're always upset and bitter and resentful at how they've been held back in life because they've given all this to people that were unworthy or whatever it is. And I think when I look at those kind of things, I think, huh, wow, that is someone that is really um, wants to, or because of whatever's gone on in their life, live in this perpetual state of being a victim. You just, you just did a little convicting. I did. <laughs> tell me, tell yeah. me. <laughs> I just had an insight, you know, because before the program, I, I've got this sheet of paper here and I've got about oh, 30 different things that popped into my head one after the other that have to do with uh, anger and bitterness and stuff. And uh, being a victim wasn't one of them. And mm. uh, when you mentioned it, I thought, mm, that's what my wife accuses me of. A lot, you know, like, oh, you really like to play the victim role. Cause if, if, uh, if, uh, if her and I have a, uh, an argument or something, uh, of course our natural tendency is going to be to think that, I'm right and she's wrong, you know, but, right. um, and, and sometimes I'll feel sorry for myself. Well, I'll, I'll think, well, I'm such a nice guy to her. I mean, how could she get mad at me when, you know, when I do this and I do that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how, how could that happen? You know, and poor me, poor me, you know, and then the more I think about it, you know, then, then I become more aware of some insights and share my own flaws, you know, and, Sometimes it takes a little while, and and, uh, and I, I I get caught up in that. Uh, mm. I have like, too, Paul. And I say it from doing it too. It's not like I. But you know what happened for me when you said that? When you said, "Oh, you're doing some convicting," I immediately went to. I didn't go straight to shame, but I got near it. Like, oh, I just said something wrong. Isn't that interesting? Oh no, you said something right. It was. A, I know, but my insight. first reaction was to be like. <laughs> Maybe I said oh, something no. wrong. <laughs> exactly. And I thought about this too. When you're talking about feelings. <laughs> exactly. Or, no, it was more for like, me. oh, I, I was thinking of it more like this. Oh, no, I just said something totally egotistical. It was more like that. Like I was thinking, oh, oh not at all. I just said something really all. egotistical. And Paul is telling me that's really egotistical. That was where I went with it. Isn't that funny? No, no. That's when what you said I do. That, when you, yeah, when you said it, my head cocked and I thought, 
wow, you know, that's, that's something that I do. Right. That's why I, I, I always thought, stuff. yeah, this is why I always thought that Michael and I made such a good pair and we don't do this anymore because he blames or he blamed not anymore. He blamed everything else on everybody else. And I blamed everything on me. So for him, it was a perfect relationship. What a match. <laughs> <laughs> and Kristen, then I learned, Kristen, you're a jerk. Kristen, you're a jerk. And, 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 and you'd say, I'm even worse than that. <laughs> totally. Self-flagellation. You should really get to know me. Then you'd find out I'm even worse than that. You know? <laughs> so I still have those knee-jerk tendencies to think, oh, I've done something wrong. But, but I'm able to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's examine this further. Don't go to the shame. Look at this in a different way and then and not instantly have that stuff in my chest and where it's taken over my emotions and you know I don't do that but you know that takes a lot a lot of work to do it but that victim thing it makes me think about too like how um you know ways that we all can do that and sometimes we are victims of things and that's okay there's nothing yeah. wrong with denying that yeah. we have been cuz everybody has been in some way but probably taking up rent and paying a mortgage there is what's not the good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of times when I feel, uh, uh, when I fall into the victim role, I'm not really a victim. I just feel sorry for myself that somebody disagrees with me <laughs> or thinks that I, or thinks that I'm selfish or, you know, or have some flaw that, I obviously couldn't possibly have until I become aware of it. And I think, well, maybe I do. See, here's where we're opposite. I would immediately, in the past, assigned myself that flaw without checking first to see if it's even <laughs> real or valid. Um, you know, and that's not that's you, not you know, healthy. Our listening family, I, I would really encourage our listening family to uh, to sometime this week uh, go to Mental Health News Radio and find our podcast that Kristen and I did on. Mm -hmm. on self-talk because that really fits in yes oh that um, was a good show you know when, when, if, if you in, in in you know we you know we, we can't redo the whole show or anything but right here but but in a nutshell um when if you grow up for example in a home where one or both parents are putting you down all the time when you're a kid you believe it you know you think they they know and and uh and if they're mad at you it's because there's something wrong with you but it may not have anything to do with you and uh so if you grow up um, being criticized a lot, then you're automatically going to do that to yourself. And your parents are, are locked into your brain until you kick them out. Even after they're dead and gone, you know, 50 years later, they're still in your brain. And uh, so if, if you leave your lights on, for example, and, and your battery goes dead and you go out and you say to yourself, you stupid idiot, uh, then, then you're creating, see, that's bitterness. You're, you're getting bitter at yourself for making a mistake. And if you're, and I always ask people to um, to uh, you know, get a pen and paper, write today's date down and write a note to yourself saying, from today on, I'm not going to say anything negative to myself that I wouldn't tell my best friend under the same circumstances. So if your best friend drove you somewhere and your best friend le left his or her lights on and the battery was dead, you wouldn't in fury look at your best friend and say, you stupid idiot. How, I hope you wouldn't do that because, you know, then. Your best friend, I'll ditch you pretty quick if you would. Uh, so you would tell your best friend the truth. And the truth is that you'd say, hey, you know, we're all human. Don't worry. We'll do something. We'll, you know, we'll call 
we'll see if somebody's got a jack. I mean, a, not a jack, but a jumper cable or, or right. a play or something. Right. So, uh, so you would tell your friend the truth, but you tell yourself a lie that you should have been perfect. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever gone mm-hmm. to golfing? <laughs> you uh, know, it's a just, sport. That would be a no. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I've got, I used to golf quite a bit. I was never good at it, but, but, and, and usually I would golf with my friends, so it wasn't so bad. But if you golf with random people, you're, you're bound to get these people that every time they don't get a perfect shot. You know they're they're calling on the name of the Lord in a, in the wrong way. You know? Oh yeah, and oh, saying loudly, "You stupid idiot! How could you do that?" And mm-hmm. oh, what an idiot you are! Just and and they spent they have four hours of fury. Oh. You know, I mean, how could that? How could golfing make them feel any better? You know what I mean? And and so if you have negative self talk, then you're destroying your your health. Yes. And so you need to be nice to yourself. And tell yourself the truth. It doesn't mean you lie to yourself. I mean, but but you tell yourself the truth like you would your best friend. And uh, so that can cause a lot of, uh, that's one source of a lot of bitterness is uh, negative self-talk. And I encourage you all to, in our family, listening family, to listen to some of those um, uh, podcasts that we did on self-talk. Yeah, I'll post the link to that show um, up in the in the show notes for this one. So listeners, you can, you know, you can find it. That was a really uplifting good good show um that actually started me on this course of of working with um one of our other podcasters don dr paolo molino in italy we do skype calls and he does um life coaching with me because it's um you know it's not it can't be counseling when it's international like that but um we're doing that inner child we were going back to the time in my life when i was really angry for good reason and letting myself be angry and then letting it go. Just letting it go. It's amazing how much I I even feel, uh, you know, just my footsteps are lighter on the ground every time I do a session yeah. than, they, yeah. than they were, the, you know, 20 minutes before. And we get into it. He's big into Gestalt stuff. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not very many therapists that do that anymore. They're all into this I know. cognitive restructuring. They're all into intellectual stuff and cognitive. You know, all those cognitive things. That, you know, they're they're important. They're too. great. They help. You know, they're great. Yeah, but but we need to. Uh, it's sort of a lost art. And uh, I train. Um, you know, when people come here that are suicidal or, or unable to function, and they go into our or a catalyst program, you know, uh, and stay here three, three weeks and get seven hours a day of therapy. The, the therapists, I've trained them all to do a lot of gestalt because like I said, one session of one, one hour of doing a gestalt with somebody is like seven or eight hours of talking to them about that problem. Yeah. And so if you're going to get somebody dramatically well in, in three weeks, then you got to do a lot of shortcut things, you know, and, uh, and so uh, it's good. I mean, we do all the other stuff too, you know. But um, but it's important to to get in touch with uh, uh, with feelings and and uh, you know. Uh, and get it out. Like, get we'll, it. If yeah. If lost the baby, we'll have him bring a a shoebox and and go out and have a burial out in the uh, mm. in a field on people and just so they can get in touch with their their grief and have a good cry and. And uh, there's things that you can do that suck out the the bitterness that's inside of us. And, and that, that's something I really, really want to do 
um, to take care of myself. And, and I should think about it more often. But a lot of hmm. times at night, you know, when I'm laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, I'll, I'll think and I'll pray and, and, and I'll think, you know, am I bitter toward anybody? Because the, hmm. the most loving thing I can do for myself is, is let go. Right. Let go. Let go. Not hang on to bitterness toward myself either. You know, I got to forgive myself for the failures. Absolutely. I've Absolutely. Hey, I write on those forgiveness papers, man. Every day now I'm like, boy, these are addicting in a good way. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what? I feel so good the next day that I'm like, how many, how many can I write today? Let's unearth more because it's that yeah, room and people, and people opens say, up. Well, people say, how can I forgive somebody that raped me? You know, and mm -hmm. I say, forgiving mm -hmm. them doesn't mean condoning what they did. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you may want to who's the guy you may want or a gal or you know you may want to you may want to uh, uh you know get the person put in prison and that's not yes. getting vengeance that's Absolutely. protecting society from somebody Absolutely. like that you know but 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 hanging on to bitterness is just going to kill you and that person doing that is not worth you know you're going to have some suffering and post-traumatic stress just to recover from that but if you yes. hang on to bitterness you can you can spend the rest of your life suffering because of, in a prison. of the, the bitterness. That yeah. and so, exactly. so getting rid of bitterness doesn't mean you're condoning what he did at all. Mm -hmm. So when you forgive mm -hmm. him, it doesn't mean you're you're condoning what he did. It just means you're giving up your personal right to get vengeance on him. And uh, and, and you, you turn him over to God and, and uh, God says, hey, if somebody abuses one of my kids, I'll smash their heads against the rocks. If we knew what God was going to do, we might feel sorry for him. And I don't think we'd feel sorry for him, but we might. You know, uh, <laughs> right. So I just, you know, just trust God to do what's fair. You know what I want to, I want to close the show with, because this is what I always hear from you. And I, and it's such a important piece that I've learned as an adult, just because I wasn't um, raised um, in any, any kind of spiritual background until I got into about eighth grade and then, and then things changed. But I never, you know, you'll say that you talk to God and you, you know, have conversations and you can say whatever's on your heart. And that always amazes me because it doesn't even occur to me most of the time to do that. It just not even occur to me. And I think, well, that's probably why Paul has so much room to write all these books and have all these clinics <laughs> because he gets it out of him into a safe place. I, I'm, I'm, thankful regularly. That, I'm thankful that I, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful I learned that in my childhood. My mom and dad were, were uh, very, you know, loving, uh, godly people. They weren't perfect, you know, but but they were really good people, and they they gave us lots of hugs. They demonstrated to us what God was like, and mm. and, uh, and and we every night at the supper table we'd have to eat supper together. We couldn't just go in there and in uh, with TV tray and watch TV and, and eat. You right. know, we at the supper table, and my dad would pull out his Bible and read a a few verses every night, and I. I would be upset lots of times because I'd want to get out and play baseball and I'd have to sit there <laughs> five minutes waiting for him to get done, you know, <laughs> but, right. but it, it really taught me a lot of, a lot of, a lot of neat things. And, and so I do, I just, uh, you know, uh, different things will happen. I'll just chat with God or, uh, uh, or, or I'll become aware like, like I did when you were talking about victimization, you know, and how I feel sorry right. for myself, I'll become aware of something like that. And, and I'll, I'll crack a joke with God last time and say, okay, well, look at that now. Look at that. You know, look, look, what I, look what you just showed me now. You know? Why'd you do that right now? I was ready for that. You know? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm learning to do that people, more. People think I'm talking to myself. So. <laughs> I'm learning to do that. I, I I do that when I take my horse out for our walks. Uh, I don't start riding her really until next month. I, I refuse to ride her until I know how to put a saddle on myself, and I'm getting all those lessons <laughs> starting next month. So, so yeah, so I, I do that with her. We just walk, and she's a great listener. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It helps. It helps a lot. I mean, I'm having a, you know, a spiritual conversation, but she's the, the vehicle that helps me actually make it happen because it still doesn't occur to me to do it when I'm by myself. Yeah, so the way a horse or a dog can sense uh, when you are angry or bad and come up and lick you and try to comfort you. And... Oh yeah, and my horse is so stubborn. <laughs> Because when she doesn't want to go somewhere, she doesn't want to go, and I have to negotiate with her. So if she's angry, she'll let you know, right? Well, she just, it's usually I'm angry about something, or I'm not confident about something, or whatever, and so she's just mirroring kind of what's going on with me, whereas with dogs, you know, I'm very much like, snap your finger, and the dog does what you tell it to do. That's how all my dogs yeah. have always been. Horses are not dogs. <laughs> it's yeah. a very different relationship and they're not going to do something with you if they don't feel confident in you, uh, I guess, because they're prey animals, uh, not, not predators. So if she doesn't want to go somewhere because she's nervous about something, I have to negotiate that with her. Like every time we go out to this field, I can't go a certain way because for whatever reason, she always sticks her foot in the same hole every time her foot, one of her hooves in a hole this, and it freaks her out. And so even going that way causes her anxiety. So I have to like walk her in circles. Anyway, I just have to do a lot of negotiating. And if I treated her like a dog, I would be trying to force her to listen to my command. And with a horse, it's like, you can't, that does not work. So sometimes my journey with her on a walk is that I have walked with her in 20 circles to finally get her to go. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> it teaches me a lot about patience, a lot about respect, and a lot about, you know, just having that time like you're talking about where you're talk where you talk, you have those conversations, you have to let go of your anger, let go of whatever and be really present and mindful. A horse makes you do that for sure. So anyway, Paul, I'm so glad that we had this discussion. It just popped in my head earlier today, and I figured you would send me an encyclopedia of things that you had found. <laughs> but you, you see, I didn't you, have time to prepare. If I would have had time to prepare, <laughs> I'd have, I'd have 6,000 more things that we haven't covered. We'd have like a 12 series thing on anger and resentment. Oh, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, because it is such a big thing in psychiatry, oh, anger, yeah. you know, uh, and in mental and physical health, too. It's just Absolutely. such a huge, huge, a lot bigger than people realize up how much we do to ourselves uh, yeah. by hanging on to bitterness. And, and and we need to go ahead and get angry. It's okay to get angry. If you pretend like you're not, that's just as bad for you, stuffing it. So yeah. being aware of it, verbalizing it, uh, and forgiving, you know, uh, is taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Paul, for another great show. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and thank you to our listening family for tuning in to another roundtable discussion with Dr. Paul Meyer on Mental Health News Radio.
I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight Good boy. Oh, that was so good at the end of such a long That was a good topic. That was yeah. a good topic. That, dude, a lot of people were a lot of good if they heard that one. Oh, yeah.